Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host, and I am also a moron. Real quick, I've been fighting with my Universal Audio Aero preamp, which was working fine yesterday, and then today, no working. It did not work at all. So, went through all the troubleshooting steps. Anyway, I could have been done recording this podcast 20 minutes ago if this thing would have worked the way it was supposed to, but it didn't. That's just kind of the way podcasts go. But here's why I'm a moron. I have a white desk. I have an Apple trackpad, which is white, almost the same color as the desk. And I have a white cup holder, which is where I set my coffee because I don't want to make my white desk dirty. So I go to start this recording after everything seems like it's working out okay, and it's not working. So I try again. It's not working. It's not recording. The mouse isn't acknowledging my my touch and it's not there's no input the cursor isn't moving anywhere and after about i'm going to say conservatively two minutes i realized that i was trying to use the coaster that i put my coffee on as a mouse pad and i had my coffee just kind of set it on my desk without a coaster so um it's been <laughs> last several minutes have been very frustrating but fortunately for us, everything seems to be working right now. So we'll see how it goes as we go through this episode. But I'm really excited. This is episode 239. We only have 11 more until we get to 250. And that is not something that I would have thought that we would have hit when I first started this podcast. Honestly, I didn't know how long it was going to go or how successful it would be. And so far, I'm very pleased with where the podcast is at and I'm super pleased that we're at, we're almost at 250. That is a significant number to me for whatever reason. All right, enough of me blab, 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 and let's get to the news. VW is claiming that they can sell their self-driving system, which is like the equivalent of what Tesla's calling their full self-driving system, for about seven euros an hour. So it seems like they're going the way of pay for what you use versus just give us a bunch of money for our, um, I don't even want to use autopilot system. They're self their autonomous driving system i guess is a better way to look at it but this way of of selling your autonomous driving system doesn't lock the customer into like a potentially crippling subscription plan or you know you have to come up with some massive amount of money like ten thousand dollars to get full self-driving with a tesla 
I think this is actually a very smart way to do it. And if I were Volkswagen, I would say, listen, for a hundred bucks or a hundred euros, whatever it happens to be, you can buy X amount of time. And then after, you know, you go through those hours, you go ahead and just refill it whenever it's convenient for you. I really like this plan. And I would like to know what everybody in the audience, I want to know what your thoughts are on this. Would you be willing to pay by the hour or pay one lump sum like Tesla does, which, which is more appealing to you? Or do you want some sort of subscription plan where it's all you can eat, but it's a subscription plan? Give me your thoughts. Email me, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com, or you can find me on Twitter at 918digital. Still on the VW train here. VW entered a modified ID4 into the Mexican 1000 Baja race. This is a four-day race that's 1,141 miles. And right now we don't know how far they got because the race hasn't taken place yet. But good luck to the team. I, I'm really hoping they get more than the 50 miles that Lordstown got. I, I have confidence that they are going to get way more than the 50 miles that Lordstown got. Or whatever it was, 150 miles. I can't remember exactly what Lordstown number was, but it was relatively low. Anyway, I know we have a lot of new listeners. So many new listeners that it makes me giddy just to watch the stats go up and up and up each week. So everybody welcome who's a new listener. And for folks who stuck around, thank you very much for sticking around because it really means a lot to me. But we're going to talk about NEO. And if you've never heard of NEO, they're a Chinese EV company. And they're the equivalent of what Tesla would be in China, even though Tesla technically is in China. They're an EV car company. They have excellent technology. Their vehicles look awesome and they build the fun into their cars, much like Tesla builds the fun into their cars. And Neo does it in very unique ways from Tesla. Not that either one's good or bad. They're just, they're just different. So I'm very high on this company, Neo. Neo is expanding to Norway. We knew this was going to happen, but we didn't know exactly when. Initially, they will be selling their ES8, which is their big SUV, and that will be followed by their new sedan, the ET7. So this is great news. Neo has a um, like their their technology uh, side of their company is in San Jose, California, and <laughs> I've been there. However, I've only stood, I've only been on the outside. I've only driven by. When I say I've been there, I have been close enough. If I got out of my car, I could touch their building, but I haven't actually been inside their building. But I can say that I've been to Neo's San Jose office, their technology office. Anyway, this is a great company. If you, if you don't know much about it, go check out Neo, N-I-O. Um, I highly recommend it if you're a new listener and you don't know who they are. Hyundai has announced the Ionic 5 details for the UK. Now, for those who've listened for any amount of time should know, unless this is your first episode, I am very high on the Ionic 5. I think this is a great car. Hyundai has put so much thought into this vehicle. And I don't know, the things that excite me most are the recliner seats in the back that just kind of fold into the trunk area. They don't actually fold all the way down, but they allow you to recline and be a little bit more comfortable for long rides. And then in the front seats, they have like actual recliner, like the footrests come up a little bit. So if you need a, a moment while you're charging to rest, that those footrests will come up and maybe you can take a nap while you are charging, but you won't be charging for that long. And I'll tell you why in a second. 
So let's go into some details on the Ionic 5 for the UK market. They're going to have rear and all-wheel drive models. It'll charge, and this is where the charging thing comes in, it'll charge 0 to 80% in 18 minutes. Now, it's probably very rare that anybody's going to be at 0%. They're probably going to be coming into a charger, you know, 10 to 15%, maybe a little bit more than that. So your charge time is going to be impressive if you own this vehicle. It starts at 36,000 pounds. I'm not going to convert that to euros or dollars because this is only for the UK market. And we have lots of UK listeners. So this is for you, UK listeners. Um, the car is going to top out at 63,137 pounds. There'll be a 58 kilowatt hour battery pack, real, rear wheel drive, 240 miles or 386 kilometers. There's also going to be a 70, there's going to be two, excuse me, 72.6 kilowatt hour battery packs, one rear wheel drive, which will get you 300 miles of range. And the other one will be all wheel drive and that'll get you 287 miles of range. And depending on how the weather is, where you live, you may be willing to forego some miles to get a little extra traction or, or whatever your reasons may be. On last week's show, we mentioned the Hyundai Kona and the recall because of the battery system. And again, I think we mentioned this last week, but the Chevy Bolt is also having some issues of their own, and they also use this LG battery system. I don't know if it's the exact same one that the Kona uses, but Howard sent on an article of a Chevy Bolt fire that occurred at the beginning of the month, May 1st, 2021. So let's go through the timeline for for the listeners here. Now, Chevy put out a, or LG, one of the two, or both in combination, put out a patch that would only let people charge to 80%, much like they did for the Kona, okay? So in the morning time, the a gentleman who owns the car, he goes out, he charges his car. About 7.30, he takes the charger off the car, unplugs it, and he's about 75% on the battery right now. He goes and does a little work, whether he's playing a video game or whatever he's on the computer is what the article says. And then he noticed, he decides to take a break, he noticed a weird smell in the house. So he checked around the house and he couldn't really find anything. And then he checked in the garage door, opened up the door, seen the fire coming up through the back seat of the car and around the car. And now obviously the car is on fire. And by opening up that door, he has let smoke into the house. And now the smoke detectors are going off in the house. So if you don't know, there is a, um, I think it's a four or eight hour battery uh, fire rating between your garage and your house. So basically if one of your vehicles catches on fire, the house is designed to, and the door, if they're closed, they're designed to um, keep the fire out of the house, at least for a little bit, and then, and just contain it in the garage. So as soon as you open up that door, you allow smoke in the house and that causes some problems. Anyway, the fire department, this is at 11. The fire department arrives at 1125. This is a, this was a, uh, a volunteer part department that initially got there, but it looks like some other volunteer and career departments got there. And that's only pertinent because of the 1125 timeframe, I would assume I don't know when this guy called 911, but I would assume that he probably called 911 within the first 10 minutes. So that's a 15 minute uh, response time, which is fire departments. We try to get that down to five minutes, but we don't know exactly where the fire department was. I do know that some of the fire departments were on another house fire 
and left that after cleaning up to come to this house fire. So anyway, probably not important information. Um, ultimately, the fire caused $235,000 worth of damage to the house and $85,000 to the vehicles in the garage. And there was another SUV that was a gas-powered SUV in the garage plus the Chevy Bolt. Now back to LG and the Chevy Bolt. I don't know how much of this is true now, but initially, at one point in time, a large part of the drivetrain and battery system was provided by LG. So... Yes, it says Chevy Bolt on the side, and I'm sure that Chevy worked, you know, closely with LG, but a lot of this stuff was provided by LG. So couple that with the problems that they're having with the Hyundai Kona and just kind of keep that in mind as we move forward in these um, LG-related battery fires that we've been talking about. All right, I want to take a real quick break here before we get into the Tesla news and just say thank you to everyone who supports this show on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or support kilowatt.com it's only one dollar to support this show and you get a handwritten thank you note from me you get stickers you get some buttons and all the money goes back into this show and i'm not going to make a whole big thing out of this but um if if you want to support the show please go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt if you don't want to support the show you can still go to the Patreon page and look at all of the things that I've posted and made public. Some things are private and only for Patreon members, but there are public things up there as well that are free to you and I think are helpful. Speaking of being helpful, I, I'm sure you guys noticed on last week's episode, I had some very, you know, it puts the lotion in the basket kind of vibes and and uh, I got some help from the community on how to solve this. So I didn't know what was going on. So I'm not going to go into the whole troubleshooting steps that I had planned on taking, but Steve had emailed and he said, Hey, have you considered the sample rate? What's your, what's your sample rate for your preamp versus what you're recording with? And I looked and they didn't match. And basically in the email before I, before I ever emailed him back, he said, if these don't match in the different software programs you're using, you can have very weird results, kind of like what you're seeing here. So that was awesome. Now, Steve and Allison are married, and they run the PodFeet podcast network, which they do NoZillaCast, which I was on last week. I did a little segment, a little four or five minute segment. So go to NoZillaCast. I'll put a link in the Friends of the Show show notes for you guys if you want to go look at what they're doing. But Allison came on. First of all, she sent me some settings for Audio Hijack, which is a program that Cameron, who's a Patreon supporter, he mentioned a couple of years ago, and I purchased it. And I didn't really understand 100% how to utilize it. And Allison sat with me for no less than 45 minutes and went through this um, private tutorial, basically, on how to use Audio Hijack, which was awesome. And if you don't know, Allison does like screencast online tutorials for like paying customers and things like that. So she helped me out a ton. So thank you, Allison. Thank you, Steve, for your feedback. It, like it was honestly like I had a problem. I didn't know how to fix it. And I was kind of stressed out about it. And then the very next morning, wake up and I get an email and so many things just kind of happened really quick. And and I don't know, just super, super kind. So thank you very much, Allison. And thank you very much, Steve. I appreciate both of you. Now, 
also had another Patreon supporter, Chris, who emailed me and he's like, hey, the next time you have a problem, shoot it over to me because I can do miracles with audio. So I also want to say thank you to Chris. I didn't need him in this uh, situation, but there are probably going to be a time, since I'm not very good with this audio stuff, there's probably going to be a time when I do need your help, Chris. So thank you very much for offering. I really appreciate it. And one more quick thing before we get back into the news and then we'll start talking about Tesla is I really appreciate the community that supports the show. And and that's whether you're a Patreon supporter or you email in tips or news articles or just um, criticism, which I'm not afraid of criticism. Criticism is actually a good thing, like constructive criticism. Um, The folks that listen to the show seem to care. And they want to make it better. And I appreciate that to no end. So thank you to every single one of you who listens to this show. It really means a lot to me. Now, having said that, let's jump back into the news. Tesla is changing the way they do their referral program, which is good and bad. Bad if you can refer a ton of people and good for Tesla. (laughs) Um, Tesla's moving away from the link-to-base referral codes. So basically, you give out your referral code, and then people can use it kind of ad hoc, however they want to use it. They can use anybody's referral code that's out there on the internet. This was very good for a lot of folks that were social media or podcast hosts. I haven't really given out mine a ton, but um, it was really good for those folks because they got free superchargers, free, you know, uh, high end wheels for their car. They got free roadsters like Tesla is giving out 80 free roadsters from the referral program. But you also got or they also gave away Tesla free charging miles. And according to electric, they've given out twenty three million dollars worth of charging free supercharging, which is insane. However, I do argue with the fact that it probably did not cost Tesla $23 million to give out that charging. It probably cost, I'm going to guess it cost them much less uh, for their cost. The $23 million is probably what the retail cost would be. But in any case, what they're going to do is they're going to have a link in your account. And then when a new user sets up or a new a potential buyer, let's say you give a, a test drive and somebody's like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to drive the car. Well, it's fine. You help them set up their account and then somehow you link your identity to their account. So if they buy a car, then you get the credit for that car. So basically they put a big, great wall of China sized wall in front of um, podcasters who are, or, and, and social media folks, I don't want to just include podcasters in this, but they just put a big, uh, wall in front of, of them just arbitrarily giving out their referral code. And honestly, I think they went back to what the referral system or referral program was intended for, which is basically you to refer your friends and the system is is much smaller. I don't think they ever intended for it to grow the way that it did. Now, it's great for Tesla, honestly. Um, and it's great for people who have those um, means to get people out there and use the referral code. On the other side, you know, Tesla Roadsters aren't free to make. The battery packs aren't free to make. The supercharging, I'm going to argue with a little bit because it's probably not that big of a deal. $23 million is probably not, again, what they're paying out in supercharging. But in either case, I understand why they're doing it, and it it does make sense to me. All right, moving on. 
Tesla has a new facility planned for Giga Texas. It is codenamed Bobcat. Now I'm going to read directly from the article here for just a second. Documents recently filed with the city of Austin indicate Tesla Inc. plans another facility on its land in eastern Travis County, which is in Austin. There aren't, or I guess Austin's in Travis County. There aren't too many details about the facility about what the facility would be used for, and the project representatives either declined to comment or could not be reached by publication time. But a site plan filed April 30th for Tesla's Bobcat project points to another industrial building rising off Harold Green Road near the company's $1.1 billion gigafactory. Now, there's been a lot of speculation as to what this is. Here's my thought. The Tesla four-wheeler. You gotta have a place to build it. I'm sure they're gonna build a ton of them. I'm not gonna buy one with my Tesla unless I'm one of those like really early people to get a Cybertruck. And then in that case, I will buy it and I will sell it, I'm sure, at a profit and uh, put that money back into the Cybertruck to pay that monster off. Now, speaking of factories, the German Auto Union, IG Metal, I don't know if that's the correct way to say it because it's metal with two L's would like to have a worker council at Giga Berlin. So I'm not sure how unions work in Europe, but I do know the, how they work in the United States. And I do know that Tesla is not a fan of them. In 2017, Tesla workers in Germany decided that they wanted to unionize. And instead, Tesla gave them stock options and salary increases as a way to mollify mollify employees. And that was at the Grumman Automation, which is the company that they bought at that time, 2017. And speaking of Grumman Automation, they're expanding their operations. So if you're not aware, this is where they make the machines that build the machine. This expansion makes a lot of sense to me because they are building, you know, more gigafactories. They're building, they got a tool up for Berlin and Giga Texas, and then wherever else they put the next gigafactory which I'm assuming is going to be in India with all this talk of Tesla moving into into the Indian market. So, but we'll, we'll see where that plays out. And one last thing on Gigafactories, Tesla will be building a battery cell and electric motor recycling facility at Giga Shanghai. I don't actually think this is big news. What I'm more curious about is if Redwood Materials, which is the company that former CTO Tesla CTO J.B. Straubel went to, I wonder if that they will be operating that facility at Giga Shanghai. And speaking of China, Tesla is starting to make vehicle data available to Tesla owners in China, or at least they're planning on making it available. This comes after the protests at the Shanghai Auto Show. Effectively, the protester there got on top of a Tesla and basically said Tesla's brakes don't work because they were involved in an auto accident and they didn't think that the brakes engaged. Tesla has said that they did engage. Up until now, Tesla's been very, how you say, hesitant to to release that data. We talked about, and I think it was like two episodes ago now, we talked about how Tesla was making this their vehicle data available, but you had to buy this very expensive equipment with very expensive uh, dongles to in order to plug into your car to get that data. Now, what they're doing in China is they're, they're making a database, and we don't know how much data they're going to allow uh, people to have, but it is a starting point so that people can see what's going on with their cars. I am very pro 
um, this kind of thing because you paid for the car. It's not Tesla's data. It's your data that you are sharing with Tesla as part of your agreement of operating the vehicle through the software and all that kind of stuff. But it is, in fact, your data. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of this kind of thing. I hope they don't just give the bare bones of information. I hope they they allow people to get real nerdy with it. Like, sure, allow people to go through and have an easy way to look at their information through pretty graphs and things like that. But then also allow the folks who are more nerdy to get really underneath the hood and see what their car is up to while they're driving around and see what information they're sharing with Tesla, but also the Chinese government, because there is a whole thing there where the Chinese government can look up on a on a wall and see where electric vehicles are because the Chinese or companies that operate in China electric vehicle companies operating in China are required to show that information. I did a podcast on this like two years ago about this whole thing. I'm not going to go over it here again, but yeah, um, we'll keep an eye out on this story. Along the same lines, we've, I think we've t- touched on this before, but the People's Liberation Army, which is China's military, they've, they've banned Teslas on military bases because the cameras found on Teslas have the ability to record like in sentry mode. I think we can all understand why a military installation would not want um, cameras that could potentially upload information back to an American company or any company for that matter on the military base. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I'm completely on board with this. China, or excuse me, Tesla has said that they will set up databases in China and, and the Chinese, the information collected from Chinese vehicles will stay in China. We've got one more quick story about China, and that is the Chinese, whatever the equivalent of highway patrol over there is, they're allegedly stopping Teslas from being driven on highways around Guangzhou, which is a a very large city there. I hope I said it right. Probably didn't. But it's a very large city there. And the reason why is safety concerns over an accident that happened in the city. Now, I've read a couple of articles, and honestly, the the actual facts in these articles are lacking. So I don't know what's going on there. I only mention it because this may become a big deal in the future, so we're going to keep an eye on it. So right now, it's probably nothing, but it might turn into something. So we'll just kind of keep an eye on it. And I don't know if there's some sort of disinformation uh, campaign against Tesla in China going on right now, or if if Tesla just wasn't able to read the collective room because every country operates different, they have different sensibilities and maybe the way Tesla's operating in China, maybe it looks very arrogant. And I've, I've heard this in the past, which is why I said this is it looks very arrogant from the Chinese uh, consumer side Tesla does. So I don't know if there's some sort of misinformation thing going on, or maybe it's nothing in general, but again, we're going to keep an eye on it. Moving on to the last story. And a short story, so you're welcome. We have an update on the Tesla crash that happened in Houston a few weeks ago. The NTSB, which is the National Transportation Safety Board, they have come to the conclusion that autopilot was not being used at the time of the crash. And there's a couple different reasons why, and one of them has to do with there wasn't lines on the road for um, autopilot to be engaged, because there's a couple things that have to happen before autopilot can be engaged. Now, there were reports that no one was in the driver's seat when first responders arrived. There is a video of the driver getting into the driver's seat before the vehicle left and got in an accident. And it didn't travel all that far 
before it got into the accident. I can't remember the, the exact distance was, but it was pretty close to the the point of origin on their trip. So I'm going to say this. Like if you're not wearing your seatbelt as a first responder, I've seen many people who have been in accidents who weren't in their seatbelt. If you're not wearing your seatbelt and you strike something, your body shifts and it's not uncommon for you to be out of the car, whether it's completely out of the car, halfway out of the car, in the back seat. Like I've been on, not to get morbid, but I've been on accidents where, you know, the occupants like, where's my loved one? Where's my loved one? Where's my loved one? We pop off the door and the loved one is smushed. Who The loved one was sitting in the front seat was smushed against the back door. So it kind of depends on the accident and the amount of damage that was done. But it is it, like the fact that there was nobody in the driver's seat when first responders arrived on scene does not, to me, as somebody who's been doing this for over 20 years, does not indicate a, a – does not prove – that nobody was in the front seat during the accident. It just proves that more fact-finding needs to be done. And I guess I do have one more story now that I'm thinking about it. And I I didn't write it down, but there was a social media influencer. I'm not going to say his name. He was arrested for abusing full self-driving. So basically, he was taking videos of himself in the back of the car while the car was moving and basically fooling the full self-driving system in his Tesla. He was arrested. He got out of jail and went and bought a new Tesla, apparently. I don't know if that part is true, but whatever. The whole point is, is when people do this kind of stuff, they should be charged at the same level that drunk drivers should be charged. I mean, probably even more severe. Like you, There should be huge penalties when this happens, and I don't know why there's not. I mean, I would like Tesla to take more steps to ensure that people are actually driving the vehicle. Don't get me wrong, because that, that's important. But also, like, people who do this could kill, like, they can kill your family, my family, whoever's family member. And it is, or themselves. Maybe they'll kill anybody else but themselves. And, you know, whatever your thoughts on this activity, people are people and they hopefully they don't die uh, untimely. I don't know what needs to happen for legislation to be um, written to keep people from doing this, or at least to um, have heavy penalties on people when this happens. But like this person should never be able to allowed to buy full self-driving again. If they bought a new Tesla, great. They should not be allowed to include full self-driving in that. Um, I don't know. I want to go on the whole rant here because we're already at 30 minutes. But uh, this kind of thing makes me very angry and it should make you very angry as well because it's bad for the technology that because it's in a very budding, you know, it's in its infancy. It's bad for the technology and it's bad for it's just unsafe. It's bad for us as human beings because this kind of behavior doesn't take into account anybody else's safety, not even not even the own person, not even the person that owns the vehicle doesn't take their safety into account. They just don't care. So I'd like to see some stricter um, penalties for people who do this because it is grossly inappropriate. All right, that's all I'm going to leave you with today. It gets me mad. I get really angry about it. Um, Calm down before I say my next thing. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. I want to thank Steve and Allison and Chris for their help. Go to podfeet.com and check out what they're doing with the Nozilla cast and chit chat across the pond. 
they are great and wonderful, kind people. And I think that we should be supporting people in our community that are great, wonderful, and kind. So please go and and check out what they're doing and see if it's something that you enjoy. And I also want to thank Chris because he's always willing to lend a hand when I need help. Um, again, wonderful people that listen to this podcast, and I appreciate each and every one of you. So thank you very much to Allison, Chris, and Steve. I really appreciate what you've done. I, if you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can also find me on Twitter at 918digital. And that is it for me, folks. I hope you all had a wonderful week, and I will talk to you next Friday.